I comment just about every Sunday on the glorious preparation for hearing God's word. And I just ran out of words today, so let me just repeat, he is worthy. If you have your Bibles, if you will turn to Mark chapter 4, <clears throat> the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And if you notice the title, the sermon that is coming up already on, on the screen, we're going to talk about soil today. Begins in the second verse of the fourth chapter. Jesus taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching, he said, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. He was scattering the seeds and some fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, and the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still, others, so, uh, still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, even 100 times. Then Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parable. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand the parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes it away and the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and they, once they received it, they do so with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others... Like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce good crop 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. I uh, look to find out that Texas has about half the number of farms today that they had in the 40s and 50s. 
I know that we are in East Texas and we have farmers, and some of you may even have been on a farm. But that's not all that common of experience. Even many of the farms we still have are cattle farms rather than ranching, rather than, than the farms that grow crops. And we've kind of gotten used to it, have we not? That we think, when we think of food, we think of grocery stores. Just think about it. <clears throat> we can become so wrapped in our consumerism and our consumerist way of thinking that we think that food grows on shelves in grocery stores, yes? In fact, we get so used to that when we turn things upside down and we mess it up and, and we find it a lot easier when there is no food to get upset with the grocery store, grocery store that doesn't have anything on the shelves than we think of maybe that is related to something going on on the field. And so how do we relate to a parable like this? How do we avoid that this does not just become a story that sounds like something from back in the old days? You know, I sometimes wonder when people sit down to eat and they pray a prayer, what's really going on, not in the words that come out of our mouths, obviously we know better than that, but is a prayer that runs something like that Lord, I'm, I'm really thankful that I had time to run by the store and pick up a couple of good steaks so I could sit down and eat because I'm tired and I certainly deserve it. Rather than what should be the real sounding board, the real kind of prayer that comes from our heart, that express gratitude, that said, Dear Lord, how grateful I am that you allowed rain and sun and wind and cold and heat all to come in such measures that we are able to sit down and eat a good meal. See, we have become consumers. And it's on all levels, really. <clears throat> we consume goods. Goods are found where? On shelves, obviously, yes, right? We become consumers rather than producers, and it spills over into how we talk about faith even, right? It's also about knowledge. We are consumers of knowledge. We just find it, read it, and take it, whatever we need. It's one of the things I had to deal with. Most of you know that I deal with doctoral students most of my time every day. And one of the things that they have to learn that they need to stop becoming consumers of knowledge, just reading what everybody else has produced, to become producers of knowledge, they now do the research that produce knowledge. The same is true with faith sometimes. We're consumers of faith. The church is here to provide 
spiritual experiences on shelves, right? That we can peruse and look at to see if there's something we like. And we hire staff who are actually just spiritual shelvers, right? They, they put things on the shelves that we then can produce and we then can peruse and see if there's something we like. We don't ask always, how can I grow? Instead, we sometimes ask, how am I finding what I look for? What I want. Consumers. We have become consumers, and I wonder. And I think Jesus is dealing exactly with that in this text. Has this spilled over to our relationship with God? Do we think that spiritual growth is to be found or even grows on shelves that we can peruse. And then if we don't find what we're looking for, it's easier to get upset with God than asking the real kind of question. Where do we find a soil in which spiritual life can grow? I think really when you look at the picture here, it has very little to do with farming. Like in every parable, Jesus is, is saying he's grabbing something out of the situation that people knew. knew. They had taken a common day event, something everybody says, yeah, I know what that is. Or sometimes a story and they say, yeah, we know the story. And he's using that, not to say something about that but to, some, to say something deeper and more important. He's just using that as an illustration to carry his point, so to speak. And that's what he's doing also right here. Not really about seeding and harvesting in that kind of literal sense of grains and crops in a field like that. He takes this picture... And he's applying it, but the fact that he's choosing this particular picture shows us that he has interest in some of the emotions and some of the things that are characterized by that picture, although the exact content is something different. He is after us understanding the anticipation and the significance of that which goes when you put seeds in the ground. Any farmer who puts seeds in the ground lives with an anticipation, an expectation even sometimes that things will grow and bear fruit. That's why we do it. And it is as if Jesus is saying, if we don't find that kind of anticipation that we learn from this situation, we'll never understand the life in the kingdom of God. Unless there's that jubilant thanksgiving, if you will, that this comes along with the joy of harvest. If that kind of is not the sounding board for our spiritual life, we'll never 
come to experience what God truly has for us on all aspects in the kingdom. So let me ask you even to begin with, if you've ever had this sense of joy washing over your soul as you've seen God do great things. And as you do, when you work and walk with him, that you live with this anticipation, harvest will come. Can we use this reminder of harvest? We're not too far from harvest time anyway, right? We're right here at it. As a reminder that this is a time, as any time, to give God thanks for his great gifts. Jesus' parable here is about spiritual soil. It's about what kind of soil is necessary for growth that is strong and it is useful in such a way that it truly bears fruit. Strong, spiritual growth and fruit. And the promise right here, and this is what I want us to see this morning. The promise right here is that that good soil can be your life's soil. It may be. It may be that right now you feel more like your life's soil is is like this path, maybe even an interstate that is stamped so hard that nothing can grow. But the text here is letting us know that it doesn't have to continue that way. God has brought loads of people to sow the seed. He causes the seed to be sown, if you will, right? He certainly is the one who gives the growth, as the Bible says so clearly. But friends... You are the soil. Why don't you till it? Why don't you make it good soil? A soil where good things can grow. Where God's life can grow. Where beauty blooms. Where there's depth so that life can be rooted, even rooted deep enough to bear fruit. Think about it. Is that not what you want? It's what I want. It's what I want for my family. It's what I want for every church that I serve. Maybe if you don't feel just like, a, like an interstate or a path that is trampled hard, maybe you're one of these people who get really excited really quick. You get so fired up, and then you're just as cold, just as quick. Those are the people that Jesus talks about when he talks about 
the rocky places with a thin layer of dirt. But listen then, when, when you see that, the, the promise is you don't have to continue in that place. You don't have to be swayed from here to there by whatever wind is coming. It's good. Don't let anyone talk you out of that. It's good to be able to be warmed up, to be heated up, to be excited, to be full of joy, to give expression of warm-heartedness. That's wonderful. That's true also of the deep soil, friends. Deep soil can get warm as well. Truly warm. Truly excited, even if you want to use that kind of language. But it doesn't get cold as fast. Even when winds and cold winds come, it may be cooled in the surface. But when it's truly warmed up, then deep down, there are still the kind of warmth and the kind of growth potential that give nourishment so whatever comes up on the ground is rooted in the warm of the nutrient soil that continues to bear fruit. Even when the surface at times seems to be cold. Real great growth in life comes from deep soil. Is that not how you want to experience your own life? I'm just asking. Certainly I know this is the desire of a church like First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches. That's what we want to be, friends. Yes? Well, what if you're one of those who allow other things to grow as well? It's not that the soil is not deep enough. It's not that it's, it doesn't have enough nutrients. You just allow so many other things to grow that the good seeds get choked out by the thorns and the thistles. If that's your life, and it may have been, it may be at the moment, don't forget the promise. Don't forget the promise that thorns, thistles, weeds can be removed also from your life so that the good seeds is filling your field. You see this parable of Jesus is a parable of anticipation. It's a parable of joy. It's a parable of what God can do in the life of human beings. It's a parable about the reality that harvest can come, even great harvest, even to your life. Question is, how does that happen? How does that happen? Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn. If not, you can just listen. 
Colossians, Paul is writing to the church in Colossae in chapter 3, verse 16. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. This really kind of is what the parable in many ways is all about. The point of this parable is to make room for God's word to grow and to grow with strong roots richly. Or if you want to translate it that way, which probably is closer in rich measures. The real point of Jesus, as I've already said, is not so much to just talk about harvest as they all knew it. But it is to say that a harvest would come only where the soil is able and willing to receive. And where it's willing to be deep enough where roots can come and produce great fruit or a good crop. You know, just like we can turn things upside down in terms of how we experience, how we have food on the table that we think it comes from the grocery stores in some way or another, right? It's very easy also to turn things up and down when it comes to experience of God's word. The significance of the word. Instead of understanding the deep contemplation on the word of God is what creates the right conditions for a deep, wonderful, life-producing even life. We are so busy doing all other kind of things and then hoping if we just drizzle a little bit of God's word on top, it's all going to be good. But that kind of approach is like saying about the good harvest that there will be good harvest if we just shop enough in the grocery store. Then harvest will come automatically instead of understanding that we can only shop in the grocery store if there has been a good harvest. See how easy it is to get things upside down. Deep roots that produce manifold fruit comes from significant contemplation on God's word. Consumerist faith that just looking on shelves to find a great experience does not create roots that produce fruits. And that, my friends, that's what excites me about this parable. That's what excites me about Colossians 3.16. The beginning point here is so clear. It is not the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs, if you read in Colossians 3.16. 
that creates it all. We can sing as many as we want to of those. That's all great. We may even at sometimes get really excited about it to stand up our feet, clap, and think, this is great. But friends, unless these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs have grown in the soil, contemplative, deep understanding of the gospel, the word of Christ, the only thing all that other stuff will create in your life are the three types of soil that ultimately will not bring harvest. Are you hearing me? It's not an easy thing to say and it's certainly not an easy thing to understand because there were so many emotions and other things tied to these things. There's just things we like. I talked to someone one day and said, well, I really like this kind of music because it reminds me of what my mother taught me. You know, all I could say is, what does that have to do with anything? I'm glad your mother taught you things you like, but I had nothing to do with spiritual growth unless she taught you how to grow close to God and sing deep. Nostalgia, whichever ways it comes from and from wherever it comes, is not what we taught here. What we taught here is about the soil and how we till that and how we learn about this. Imagine if we can truly grasp the depth of Jesus' parable when he talks about the soil that gives growth conditions for the word of Christ. Check your own life. I've said it many times before. I'll say it again. It's, it's your life, right? You only have it. You only have it once. What is it that more than anything shape who you are? What is your identity? <clears throat> if you desire for your life to be as a good soil... It will happen when the word of God and the deep contemplation on it, it will have first place in your life. Singing choruses or singing hymns or whatever we sing is great. It will set the tone for a lot of things, but it comes along with it is rooted in the deep study of God's word. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. How? Richly, in large measures. And then, then the deep soil that creates that kind of fruit and depth and joy, from there led all the hymns and, and all the spiritual songs and all the choruses spring. Because it's a good soil that bear 30 and 60 and 100-fold. I think um, <clears throat> we will have to admit, and sometimes we don't, but I think we'll have to admit if we do any kind of look at, at how things are going in the world, that we have never, ever before had as great and as 
a large amount of people who are truly seeking for true meaning in life. Direction and depth. How do I find it in life? There's hardly a day when you don't open the news channels or for a radio or some kind of magazine or newspaper, whatever, unless there's someone talking about meaning. It, it flows everywhere. Journalists are picking up on this in every direction whatsoever. You'll find this, even fashionistas, right? Even people creating fashion are saying deep things like, our clothing needs to make sense to who we are as human beings. So we clothe ourselves in certain ways to express our identity in many ways, yes? I see PhD dissertations come across, so many of them, there's last 20 years there's been so many studies and so much research done on how we find meaning. How do young people find deep meaning in life? What puts them together, so to speak, as human beings? So let me ask a question. What is the meaning of an earring in your belly button? in the relationship to the meaning of life. It's actually not even always a fun question, yes? It may reveal something about the age. I was in a conference once where one was telling a joke and we were kind of divided in two halves, you know, all the older folks, kind of professors, over here and the other. It just happened to be like that. I don't think anyone intended that. And he told a joke and by half the room cracked up, dying, laughing, and the other half said, what's funny about that? (laughs) What's the meaning? How does it relate to the meaning of life that I've put a tattoo on my left elbow instead of the right side of my other leg? It's in the midst of all of that that Jesus says, yes, life can have real meaning. But the meaning is not found in all the many things that we do. It is not found in whatever we may consider expressions of ourselves. Meaning is growing from the depths of our heart that allow itself to be deep in the Word of God, contemplating God's Word in such a way that it creates a soil that carries 30, 60, and 100-fold fruit. Isn't that what you want? Well, what is Jesus saying? Really here, does he say that there are some people that that just have one kind of soil, other people have another kind of soil, and then so on, different people with different soils? No, what he's saying is, here's a recognition that all these soils are in all of us. The challenge and the promise, if you will, is for us to recognize which kind of the soils that are spreading 
and growing in our lives, that it becomes the good soil that takes up prominence, that the hard, beaten soil gets tilled up and soft and filled with new nutrients so things can grow, that, that the, the soil where there's just hard rocks, it's a thick layer of topsoil, if you will, rather than just a thin layer. That in the places where there's so much thistle and thorn grows that, that it is so packed up, seeded so hard with the word of God that it becomes that that chokes out the thistles and the thorns rather than the other way around. I think that if you like so many people really desire to find direction and meaning, deep purpose and depths of life, you need to contemplate on the gospel, on the word of Christ, as it says. And what can be a better time to begin that than right now? We're not waiting, are we, for a new senior pastor who can display faith and experiences of faith on new pretty shelves, are we? Hopefully, you're looking for someone who can teach you how to till the hard ground. Who can show you what true, solid, deep soil that produces manifold fruit looked like. That's the point of this parable. It's a message to each and every one of us, friends. It really is, including the choir, by the way, yes? For every one of us, that our lives may bear fruit. Individually and collectively. You know, there are people, and I think we all know that's the truth, who have been Christians for many, many, many years, and they have never really gotten started in tilling their life's soil with the Word of God. There are hundreds of churches in East Texas. You know, there's a reason they're called, we're not the Bible Belt, right? We're the buckle of the Bible Belt. We're not even the buckle of the Bible Belt. We're that little pearl in the middle of the buckle of the Bible Belt. Hundreds, if not thousands of churches around and new being started all the time. And yet, there's not a whole lot of groups who carry vast majority of people to a deep study of God's word. What about your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your families? Coming together not for a quick read of five verses and a short prayer and we're out in five minutes like we were consumers that just need a spiritual McDonald's. 
but a deep, deep soil. Just remember that it's the good soil that produces the fruit, not the fruit that produces the soil. Can we pray? Father, what we hear in this parable that your son told with such power and depth is that the right anticipation to your word in our lives makes all the difference in the world. Father, I ask, just like last Sunday, we, we look to you and ask for the empowering presence of God's spirit in new measures. We're asking the same, very same thing this morning. But Father, we're doing it because we know that we need to gather around your good news. The word of Christ Father, we ask forgiveness as a church. We ask forgiveness as individuals. When we've turned things upside down and we have let our consumerism of other goods become also the way we approach our lives with the Lord. Father, I ask even more than anything else that even these words are not heard and forgotten quickly, but they will generate within our souls the desire for deep, fruitful, nutrition-filled soil in our lives. Amen. Amen. Friends, we're going to stand and sing a song, and I'm going to ask you just to respond. Some need to come and kneel and say, hey, I, I got to get a kickstart. You may want to grab a friend. I just need to get back and start tilling that ground again. Let's all stand. And as we begin to sing, some of you may need to say, hey, I, I can't do this alone. I need a fellowship where that is focused. We would love to introduce you to this fellowship as we all try to learn more about what this means. And if you don't know, even the first thing about saying, Jesus is my Lord, why don't you come forward? And we'll love to introduce you to him. However the Lord moves, don't just say, okay, I heard that. Let's move so we can begin the tilling process of our hearts.